Hey, I'm so happy to be with you again. I hope you've had a good couple of months wherever you are in the world. This is the first episode that has aired since the 27th of June, and it is now September 5th. So if you're a new listener, first of all, welcome to BU Podcast. If you are someone who's been listening for a while, welcome back. Thank you for being here either way. You may or may not know that I was really sick in the month of May with some sort of bug. I don't know what it was. And I took a few weeks off and then decided to take that into a hiatus for a couple of months. And the interesting thing about that is that It went against the opinion of people who know more than me about podcasting, and it went against the opinion of some people who listen, and it went against what my head was telling me. But it's what my heart was telling me. It's what God was telling me. It's what my intuition was telling me. You know, that internal GPS, that inner knowing, that voice that you know only leads to love and truth. You know that one? That's the one that told me to take a break. And it wasn't from a place of, oh, I'm getting burnt out or this is too hard or it's stressful. No, it's that I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling in alignment. And I realized that if I kept recording out of alignment just because I was obeying and listening to people who know, quote, unquote, more than me, right? No one knows more than your inner knowing, by the way, but in on paper, they know more than me then I would be out of integrity and you wouldn't get the same podcast and you would probably stop listening anyway. So I took a risk by stepping away. I know some people were disappointed. I know there were some people who were frustrated and I was okay with it. And so during that time, it became abundantly clear that I was supposed to unplug for reasons that I can't quite explain, but I get right? Like I get in my gut why, even if I can't explain to you why, you know, that feeling where you're just like, okay, it makes sense. And there's so much that unfolded and there was so much that needed to happen and not happen in the couple of months that I was away from this podcast. And so now I'm fresher and I am better and I am spot on and ready to go for this second act. So we're coming up on two years. In October of 2022, it will be two years with BU Podcast. And If you're someone who's just stumbled upon us, maybe you're doing a search or maybe someone sent you a link or recommended that you listen, this is a top 100 podcast. You know, I've questioned in the past whether or not I should say a top 100 podcast. On one hand, who the hell cares? Number two, oh, does that sound braggadocious? But here's what I realized. It's true. And self-promotion is highly underrated. Women So many of us as women are uncomfortable with and or afraid of, it all comes from fear anyway, to promote ourselves because we're worried about how it's going to land for other people, how we're going to occur in the world to other people. And people can feel the intention behind it. So I'm really proud to tell you that this is a top 100 podcast. And if you're someone who's been listening since the beginning, you're the reason it's a top 100 podcast. So we have listeners in about, it's over 114 countries. I haven't counted in a few months. All over the world, so many different cultures. And it's just, I'm just so happy that you're here and you're a part of it if you are new. And if you are sharing it with others, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. I do not take that lightly. We don't do any advertising. We don't do any marketing. I have a really teeny tiny following on Instagram. And so this is truly growing only because of you. I'm not a guest on other shows, which attracts people to the show. It's really you. You're sharing this with other people who are sharing it with other people. And everywhere I go, people say, 
oh, hey, I listened to your podcast. Oh, it's, it's really been helpful. And it's not me who's doing it. I'm being consistent and showing up. But I'm like this conduit. I'm like a vessel. So I don't mind saying thank you, thank you, and telling people that it's doing well. So we're going to continue with this great podcast and bring you more of what you love and some new that you've never seen. So the Be a Podcast breaks down into five categories. So while you're listening, every episode is about, of course, as you heard in the intro, unbecoming, unlearning, and excavating the real us that was already there. The woman who was already there, and for the men listening, the man who was already there, but we forgot. And I will say, there are five like subtopics or categories underneath that umbrella. The first is spirituality, somatics, and trauma healing. The second is unconventional medicine, like biohacking, alternative ways to heal and to attain health and wellness. The third, Conscious relationships. What does that even mean? The fourth, conscious parenting and everything that comes along with that from birth to when they're out of the house and beyond. And number five is creative self-expression. All of this as the real you. What does that look like? How does that, how does that be in the world? How does it feel? How does it smell? How does it taste? Why is it so good to do it that way? I have so many great interviews scheduled for this fall and winter. I'm going to be continuing to do lots and lots of solo episodes and to go on this journey with you, not as an expert, but as a student of life who's failing forward every day, who's learning and unlearning every day, and who's just willing to talk about it. So thank you for being here. So the past couple of months, it's been really interesting. I I was telling a friend the other day, uh, so I'm 50 years old, almost 51, and this point in my life, I could be like building a brand and building a business and doing more than talking into the microphone once a week. And I'm choosing not to. My life is very slow and easy. And I like it that way. I'm blessed. I'm grateful that it gets to be that way. I know some of you listening might say, well, gosh, I'd really like that. That would be nice. I had so many years of sacrifice and so many years of pain and struggle, so many years of financial hardship, so many years of just sadness and unhappiness and trauma and also just working my ass off building a business and without boundaries, nonstop, never taking breaks. For 13 years, I did that. And this is a point in my life. It's interesting. It's a breath of fresh air. It's a pause. It's a pause. And in this pause, it's a pregnant pause. In this pregnant pause, so much is about to come, but it's going to come in a very easy breezy way. That doesn't mean without intention, without consistency and without work. Easy breezy way for me is that divine feminine, the allowing, the allowing of it, holding space for it, preparing for it and allowing it, not fighting it, not forcing it, not trying to control it. So in the last couple of months, I've been doing a lot of being. I have done more with the sound healing and the crystal bowls, which I'll be telling you about in future episodes with Monique Benabu as my mentor and my guide. I wrapped up nine months of such deep emotional and spiritual practice and medicine with my mentor, guide, and coach Sigrid Tassias, who you're going to hear from in just a few minutes where I learned that I am the sage. 
where I learned that deep down, I do have the answers, where I learned that the only way through it is through it, the only way. I've discovered some amazing products as we have, you know, one of our topics being unconventional medicine. We haven't really gone there on BU. We've had the couple of episodes with Dr. Molly Harmon, which have been amazing. Um, Go back and listen if you haven't. Those are wonderful. You really responded well to those. And I love that. That's a big part of my life. Part of being me is unlearning a lot that I learned as a registered nurse and that I was taught through the allopathic model. Not rejecting all of it, throwing out the baby with the bathwater, but appreciating and keeping some of it and tossing out some of it, quite a lot of it, and being open to new ways of learning about my body and health and and hormones, et cetera. I've discovered some really powerful supplements. I believe so much in supplementation. I'll be sharing those with you and exploring the makers of those products and the practitioners who use them and letting you decide what you'd like to explore. I had a lot of fun this summer letting myself enjoy superficial, just fluff like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Real Housewives of Dubai. Yes, 100%. I used to defend, justify, and explain that or hide it and pretend I didn't listen or or say things like, well, I only listen here and there. Or I would say, well, I've got my junk shows that I watch. I'm not doing that anymore. And I hope you don't either. I'm not apologizing. I like it. I don't have to explain why. I like watching those. Well, aren't those negative? Don't they argue a lot? Yeah, I didn't say I like that part. I like watching the shows, period. I watched a lot of that. I committed to weight training as I'm, I think I'm right at menopause, like like as of a month ago. Not quite sure yet, getting that confirmed. But I stepped into weight training, like lifting heavy weights and doing that three times a week consistently. Thank you to my friend Sydney for inviting me to her gym, which I was really afraid to walk into uh, after having a bit of a <laughs> some PTSD from years ago when I did CrossFit. So that's been so good for my body. I'm not just telling you because I want to tell you about myself. I'm sharing that with you as an invitation to you for you to consider that, especially if you're in your 40s or even 50s. It's so important. It's harder to build muscle as we get older, our hormones shift and heavy weights, and then doing some walking, uh, maybe some light yoga is really where it's at. I have fallen in love with flower arranging. I've always known that I like it, but I used to only do like my flower pots on my front porch and that was it. I splurged and I, and I had someone plant a cutting garden for myself. Yes, bougie. And I'm so grateful, a big cutting garden. So I've been cutting flowers and arranging them and really enjoying them and just loving that love back from God and from Mother Earth. I found a new, oh, it's, I don't know if it's a flower, but it's a part of a plant called a love puff. And a love puff, I, I looked at that when I, when I realized what that was and I learned what it was and I opened it up and actually experienced a love puff. I thought, you know, everything is a love puff. Every conversation, every interaction, every tragedy, every bit of pain, every bit of struggle, every disappointment, every kiss, every hug, every baby, everything is a love puff. And a love puff is this beautiful little thing that grows on this plant. Don't ask me what the plant is. And it's dangling like this light green sort of translucent ball. And as it gets really, really dark, you can crack it open and you'll find what looks like a seed. And on every single seed, every single seed without fail, there is a beautiful heart on it. Love puff. So you can count on that consistency. You and I can. 
that there is love in everything and not sometimes, but consistently in such a perfect, perfect way. My little grandson, who I am co-parenting and co-raising with my daughter, started preschool, I can call it, but I mean, it's really a daycare slash preschool. He's turning three. It's in a Montessori environment on a farm. And that's a big part of my life. So I'm sharing that with you. I'm a grandparent, but kind of also like a co-parent at 50. And he's such a big part of my life. And so there was some letting go for that and so much joy in watching him walk into that just in the last two weeks. I've been really visiting and being with the four words that came to me at the beginning of the year. A lot of people have a word of the year, right? You don't have to have a word of the year, but you can have even five if you want. And four came to me, fun, fitness, flow, and receive. And I've been committed to looking at that every day. Am I experiencing fun, fitness, flow, and receive? When I wasn't experiencing fitness, I couldn't judge myself because what am I supposed to also be experiencing? Flow, right? And receiving. So no judgment lives there. So that's been a beautiful part of the past couple of months. Again, why am I sharing that? Because that comes into what I'm sharing with you. I was able to fill myself up the past couple of months and also just sort of be and nurture myself and continue the healing and growing that I'm doing so that I can be even better for this show. I know many of you are not mothers, either by choice or you're not yet a mother, but man, oh man, Again, in this hiatus off, I've just been so, so, so reminded that we are called to be a loving presence, to be the high priestess who stands there in confidence with her arms out extended, with boundaries, very clear loving boundaries, with also a softening, holding space without squeezing. Not easy for me at all. And remember, when we decide that we're ready to master something or we want to call something in, God, the universe will give us so many opportunities to practice that. They're not tests. They're opportunities to practice what we say we want. So I had a lot of practice this summer. Some of you have asked me, and thank you for asking, hey, how's the book coming? Because I've been talking about writing a book for four years. I've been very open with you about the struggle with that and the joy around that, the anticipation around that, the perceived pressure I have around that. And I got to tell you, nothing's really been happening with it. I didn't finally really sit down until about a week ago. I've been off for months, and I finally sat down about a week ago and said, okay, for the third time now, I'm starting this book. And I felt so stuck. It was like I was constipated. I just couldn't make it happen. And when I just sat back to let it happen, nothing was happening. And as I sat down at that first time to do that, what's called a vomit draft, which you're supposed to do one time, and this is now my third time starting it, right as I asked my guides and my ancestors, my guardian angels, God, to, you know, work through me and help me with that, a minute later, my dog, Hazel, ran up the stairs of the deck and laid right next to me and she just reeked and she had rolled in shit. I mean, like her whole body from her neck all the way to her tail. And I don't know what kind of poo-poo it was. I think it was like goose and deer and who knows what. It was disgusting. Probably some dead fish combined with that. And I just laughed and I was like, okay, what does this mean? Maybe it means nothing, but I think it means something. 
either I'm supposed to push through and laugh through this and push beyond, or I'm supposed to just kind of lighten up and let it happen, or maybe I'm not supposed to write a damn book. (laughs) I do not know. So nothing so far has happened with that. I just started listening again to one of, oh, and by the way, I thought, oh, I hear it. This will be some good inspiration. I had a blog for four years and I loved writing so much. It was just such a beautiful experience for me and people really enjoyed it. And I went back and it was just gone. The platform or hosting site, whatever you call it, I didn't renew. I didn't pay what I was supposed to pay. Like there's no way to recover it. Trust me. It's gone. Just plain gone. I thought, well, either that means I'm supposed to start fresh and let it go and start from now, or maybe I'm not supposed to write a book. (laughs) So I started listening to one of Glennon Doyle's books. She's one of my very favorite authors and it's called Untamed. I've, I've read the book twice. And I was in the airplane the other day and I wanted to pass some time. And I thought maybe this will help inspire me to write my book. She and I are so different in so many ways and so similar. Like there's certain things she has said where I'm like, she said that her her partner, she gets mad and says, why is she resting at me? Like, how can she just lay there and take a nap? That's exactly me. Like so many things in common. And so I just felt like I needed that sort of support. I was listening to that book and I felt more inspired realizing it's just your story, just tell it. But then my little voice came in that said, but you're not a wordsmith. You could never write like Glennon. So I'm working through some of that. And again, I share that because I know, I know you can relate in one way or another. I'm also just about in menopause and I am experiencing some symptoms that are no fun at all. One being hair loss and another is gaining weight. And I already have a lot of those symptoms from my thyroid issues from my breast implant illness. I had my implants removed a year ago. And if you don't know anything about it, by the way, we have a great episode coming with Dr. Kevin Brenner, who's just been featured in Goop magazine. And he is one of the top plastic surgeons in the world. He's operated on famous, famous people, many famous people. And he's a pioneer now for breast implant illness. And I learned that you will detox after the implants are removed one month for every year you had the implants. And I had mine for 24 years. So I have about another year of detoxing. And then the detox dumps, which happen sometimes triggered by stress, sometimes they're just cyclical, can be connected to menopause, exacerbated by menopause, or they can exasperate the menopause symptoms. So I've got that going at the same time. So that's been a struggle and a gift. (sighs) So that's been where I've been. How have you been? I really hope that you're going easy on yourself. I hope that you're not thinking that the stories that you tell yourself about other people's lives are true. I'm hoping you're not thinking they're true because I know I do that. I think that that other people have a life that I've invented in my head and then I justify it by saying, well, it's not like I think their life is perfect. No one's life is perfect, but I think it's pretty close to that. You know, I've reminded myself and I'll tell you the antidote for that. If you've been doing that at all while we've been apart, the antidote is to be vulnerable and transparent and invite another woman to do the same. And she will share with you the things about her life that are difficult. And you'll say, oh my God, that's not at all what I thought. I would never have thought you would have struggled with that. I thought it was just me. Or I knew it wasn't just me, but I sure as heck didn't think you felt that way as a mom, or you felt that way as a wife, or you felt that way as a human being. So if you haven't done that, try it out. That is the antidote. So in going into the introduction for the guest we have today... I just could not be more grateful 
for Sigrid Tassias. Uh, Sigrid is from Spain. She resides in Australia. She is one of the best coaches in the world. This woman is respected and regarded by some who I consider the best, like Preston Smiles and Christine Hassler and Steph Safandos and Alexi Panos. So I found Sigrid through Elementum Coaching Institute. I was a student who had never been a coach who enrolled in that program, which by the way, enrollment's coming up pretty soon again. It's such a great program. It's extremely intense, but it's unbelievable. So I signed up for that and enrolled and applied, I should say, and was accepted really for my own growth and healing, not to be a coach, but everybody else was an established coach. And then there were people like Sigrid who were already extremely successful coaches And they were invited to be in there to expand, but also to become part of the faculty. So she was one of those coaches. And I just saw her for, I mean, just a few minutes in the last class that we had. And I was so drawn to her. You know, that internal knowing, that GPS, that compass of mine that we all have was like, yes, yes, and yes. I don't know who that is, but I've got to go there whatever that means. And I always follow that. That's what I live by. So I found her on Instagram. I started following her. I messaged her and said, I just want more of what you're doing. Tell me about you. What do you do? And she told me and I said, oh my gosh, I didn't even think I was looking for this, but I want to hire you. How much would it be for a six-month container? And what I want to do is really hold myself accountable and focus on the divine feminine, you know, the letting go, the acceptance, the releasing, you know, the sensuality that comes with that, exploring that because it's a little scary for me and spirituality, you know, like learning more about holding ceremony, learning more about what I'm curious about in a safe, loving container. And it was so much more than that. You'll hear in this interview because I'm very transparent with her and she is as well. But you'll hear that the transformation I experienced was so profound, so profound. And I cannot wait to share her with you. She is so gifted and so brilliant, so accepting. I mean, an example is that, you know, our container was supposed to be six months and it just didn't feel right at first. I was still wrapping up things with our previous coach and I had signed on too early and she's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But the beautiful thing, and this is so sacred, is that she allowed me to stay connected with her and she kept essentially coaching me through an app while we weren't really having our regular sessions yet. So a six-month container went to nine-month. And I'm not advertising that or saying that she'll do that for everybody or that it should ever happen. It just happened that way. And she allowed that, which showed me, you know, she was she was embodying what I told her I wanted to become or step into or remember, which is the divine feminine. So let me tell you a little bit um, about Sigrid before you hear the interview. Sigrid Tassias is an embodiment and feminine leadership master coach and facilitator, speaker, author of the book, Intimacy Within, host of the top-rated podcast, Sacred Leaders, humanitarian and modern medicine woman, or as she likes to call it, a liberation initiator supporting women to live and lead from deep embodiment, freedom, abundance, and pleasure. Sigrid's work supports mission-driven entrepreneurs, coaches, and business owners to bring more depth to their legacy, live fuller lives, and amplify their impact from the inside out through embodying their deepest truth and alignment. 
through her private and group coaching programs, ceremonial retreats, and live experiences, Sigrid is known for creating initiation containers, where she supports her clients and students to become the embodiment of their true mission through doing the deep inner work. She merges a wide variety of coaching and healing tools and modalities, including breathwork and somatics, amongst many others, and is known for her no BS yet deeply compassionate approach. And I agree with that. Her work has impacted thousands and thousands of people and has been shared across hundreds of platforms around this world. And here she is, Sigrid Tassias. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to Be You Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Okay, so as promised, I have my mentor, my coach, my friend, my sister, Sigrid Tassias. And uh, Sigrid, you know, this is something that's been coming for quite a while. You and I have been connected for over a year now. And it's, as always, in divine timing, it's the perfect, perfect time. So I've, I've told my audience a little bit about you. I would love you to start off sharing, you know, how did you get into this work? Let's start with that. How did you get into this work? Because that, that's always fascinating to me. I mean, there's a whole path that got you to where you are today. But what do you think it was that opened you up to this is what my path is as far as mentoring and guiding women? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's, as you say, divine timing. And we've been talking about it and waiting. And I'm glad that we're making it happen today. And... I mean, as you say, there's always a long path that gets us to where we are. And I believe it's from the beginning of times, even before we are born. In saying that, I used to have a corporate job. I used to live a life that's very different to what I live now. Back in the city and just living something, a reality that was very different. And I went through a breakup that brought up a lot of stuff I didn't even know I had within a lot of insecurities, a lot of wounds, a lot of things that I was i was left with no choice but looking at myself because I started to suffer from anxiety and just experienced a lot of uncomfortable, really deep things that I could no longer avoid or ignore. So through that, I found what at the time I thought was a psychologist, but turned out to be a master coach. And I started working with her and getting to know myself and understanding myself and started in this journey of, I guess, self-development, self-awareness, 
and self-healing. And at the start, I had no idea. I never thought that I would be doing this with other people. I was just doing it really out of survival, really, because it was so hard to be in the feeling of what I was experiencing that I just needed to do something. But as time went by and I started to feel better and I started to learn all of these different tools, I started to grow really passionate about all of these things. And there was a particular moment in my life where I realized that I had been using all of the tools. I had been doing all of the journaling and the mindset work and the reading all of the books and listening to all of the podcasts, but I still didn't feel as though I was enough. I didn't feel as though things were ever enough. And I was taking all of, you know, I was doing all of the right things and taking the boxes, but there was something missing. And I had been in the personal growth or personal development work for years by then. And I was then invited to a ceremony. And the woman that was leading the ceremony was such a deeply embodied woman. And at the time, I didn't even know what that, that word meant, right? But I could feel it. I could feel in her leadership that something was different. There was something quite distinctive about the way she held herself. And that transformed me in such a way that I got really inspired to look into that, to look into leadership work and embodiment work. And then I went deep into this rabbit hole of embodiment and leadership and ceremonies and all of this different work. And as I started to do deeper and deeper journeys with somatics and understanding the nervous system and understanding that everything starts within our leadership, our businesses, our abundance, our relationships, our health, everything starts within and understanding the impact that each of the occurrences in our lives actually has in our bodies and the way we respond to life afterwards. I just got way too passionate about this. <laughs> and it's almost like this thing took me and it had transformed me in such a way that I could not, I could not help but want to share it with others. And as it happens, I feel like everything is always reflecting back to us what's within, right? As I say, everything starts within. So when we have a desire inside, life tends to reflect back at us that. The same way that when we have a resistance inside, life tends to reflect that back at us. So I had that desire to share this with the world and to help more people and then at the time, I used to work as a yoga teacher and meditation teacher. And my students started to, quote unquote, randomly come to me and ask, can I stay after the class tomorrow and just talk to you about my life and, and get some support and some things I'm going on um, that are going on in my life? Or can I come a little bit earlier to the class and just share some things with you? I would love your perspective on this. I would love your support on this. So this started to happen naturally where people were asking to have this type of conversations with me. And I had trained, I had done courses, uh, coaching courses and certifications and such, but I hadn't considered working as a coach. And just to cut it long story short, it was a journey from that moment onwards, but it just became really clear to me that this was my passion, that I really wanted to support, especially women 
to find their power, to find their voice, because there was a time where I got to experience the impact of being disempowered, the impact of being disconnected from our truth, disconnected from our true nature, and then the impact of doing the opposite, of actually reconnecting and the ripple effect that they can, that can have in the world and in our lives. So I chose this path as much as it chose me, I guess. But what I can say is that over the years, I've been able to coach thousands of women by now. And it just keeps on showing me the importance of doing the embodiment work because it offers us an opportunity to live our lives in such a much fuller way. And as I say, the effect it has in every area of our lives, it just keeps blowing my mind over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So will you explain, Sigrid, well, what is your definition of or how would you describe embodiment or embodied? Because I know someone listening is thinking, I don't understand what that means. We could feel what you mean that you said this woman just, she just felt different. I mean, your knowing and your body, you know, your wisdom could sense that this wasn't, wasn't just another teacher or therapist or coach. So I know everyone listening will be able to probably sense that. But how would you describe it? And the reason I'm asking is because I have felt the difference in myself and I didn't used to know what it means, what it meant. It used to confuse me when people would use the word embody or embodiment. And, you know, there's a sort of language in the coaching world and there's this language in the somatic world. Just like I used to say, I don't speak Christianese. You know, there are Christians that use certain terms and I never, I never used them because they didn't feel right. And I felt like I was kind of pretending because I'm newer to this world that you're so, you know, ingrained in and such a teacher of, I don't use some of the words, especially if I don't really know how to explain it. I know how it feels to be embodied, but how would you describe it? Yes, that's such a great question. And there are several ways in which I like to describe it for everyone to really, to really understand this. So if we look at the dictionary, or if you Google this, it will say something like a tangible form or an idea, quality, a feeling. So it's bringing something from the intangible to the tangible. And the way I like to think about it is bringing something from the mind where we think we know something, we understand something, we conceptually and mentally can make sense of something into the body, into that sense when something becomes second nature to us. So it's not something that we understand. It's not something that we can talk about. It's not something that we can remember because we read it in a book or someone talked about it and it just made sense to us but it's something that becomes a part of who we be so it's a tangible or visible form of an idea quality or feeling it's bringing something like a thought an idea a concept that we can read we can listen to in a podcast someone can tell us about and when we embody it we bring it into our being, we bring it into the way we carry ourselves, into the way we respond to situations, into the way we feel on a daily basis. And that becomes tangible or visible through us. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. That's why with that teacher, you could feel it and you could sense it. Exactly. And that's why I say, and for people, imagine that firstly, I am pointing towards my head and then towards my chest and putting one hand on my chest and one hand on my belly for this. I always say, do you know things? Like, do you know them in your head or do you know things? Do you know them in your body? 
And the difference is quite distinctive because when we know something, quote unquote, know something, we know it conceptually, we know it mentally, rationally. We can repeat the words, we can say the words, we can cut someone off and say, I know, I know, I know. But we don't necessarily have the ability to apply that knowing when situations or circumstances arise in our lives. We can repeat the concept, we can talk about it, but when things get difficult or when things get triggering or when things get challenging, we don't have the ability to access that knowing, that knowledge. But when something is embodied, it becomes a part of who we be, of who, how we carry ourselves, how we respond to situations. So that knowledge is now integrated in our way of being. So it doesn't mean anything more complex or more difficult than this. We're just bringing concepts that we have in our mind and we're integrating them into how we respond and how we react to situations and circumstances in, in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And integration and embodiment, those are words that are, uh, I don't want to say overused, but they tend to be a little trendy. And I say that maybe there's some judgment there that I'm not picking up on, but um, I'm saying that because I'm I'm right now sitting in the seat of a listener. I know that those are words that are thrown around, let's say on Instagram, for example, there's so many other places to learn. And so, you know, it's interesting because there are people that will say that that they can teach you to be integrated and to be embodied. And when I hear that, to me, that's not embodiment. Even saying that doesn't feel embodied to me. But what I love about you is, you don't say that. And you you just have this essence about you, which is what you just described. And you hold space. And I know this from experience, as everyone knows, listening, you were my mentor for almost nine months, and to the point where I then have it embodied. And it isn't that you taught it to me. And it's, it's a little bit difficult to, to describe, but yet not. Like you said, it's pretty simple, even though it can feel a little complex. And so I would like you to do two things, if you don't mind. One, use yourself as an example. Like what is something that you used to know pretty well, but it wasn't embodied and show us what it looked like when it wasn't and then when it was. And then number two, feel free to use me as an example. What is something that you know that I knew conceptually, but it wasn't embodied yet? And what did it look like for me as your client? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And that's a brave offer, by the way. I want to honor you for this, for bringing this up. So the first thing that comes to mind with knowing and then knowing (laughs) is that everything happens for a reason. For example, this is something that we hear everywhere. We hear about, we talk about, we read about, we can, as you say, we can see it on social media. Everything happens for a reason. Let go and let God and all of those things. But what does that mean really? And when I quote unquote knew this, when I knew this in my mind, there was a sense of maybe righteousness when things were happening to others, where I could sit in the knowing that, well, this is also happening for a reason. Trust, there is a reason why this is happening to you. But when things were happening to me and not, to me, not for me at the time. When things were happening to me, I couldn't access that knowing. There was still a sense of victimhood. There was still a sense of distrust in life. There was um, there was stress. There was overwhelm. There was anxiety. I felt challenged. 
when something happened that I didn't necessarily like, when something happened that didn't go according to my plans and what I wanted from life, how I wanted life to go. And they showed up in my relationship, they showed up in business, they showed up everywhere. When I started to really integrate again this word and embody this knowing, things just became a lot easier. I stopped fighting reality and fighting life. And it doesn't mean that life doesn't face me. It doesn't mean that I don't go through moments where I, where I don't like what's happening. But it means that I no longer go into victim consciousness and thinking that things are happening to me. I know that things are happening for me. And what that creates is a sense of calm and a sense of relaxation and trust where my nervous system, it's not constantly in fight or flight mode. Um, I, I am not wishing things away, even things that are really uncomfortable. I found myself in moments where, myself in moments where I went through really challenging periods of my life and I kept praying and giving thanks for that and almost going, I know this is so difficult, but don't take it away just yet because I'm learning so much. So there's a sense of gratitude. There's a sense of acceptance. There's a sense of trust that it's there because I know everything is happening for me, not to me. And on a tangible level, what this creates is a lot more patience, a lot more grace, and a lot more relaxation in my body even. Mm -hmm. So things don't take my sleep away so easily. Mm -hmm. And less suffering, right? Exactly. I don't get as reactive. I don't blame people. I don't jump on arguments trying to make people wrong for what they did or what happened because I know that whatever it is that happened, even when people do things that, in my opinion, suck or I don't enjoy them, I know that that too had to happen the way it happened. So it doesn't mean that I don't express what I'm feeling or I don't, I don't have boundaries or anything like that, but there is a sense of relaxation where I'm not trying to fight reality. I'm not trying to wish things away. I'm not sitting in, in my victim thinking that things should be different. And that creates a lot of spaciousness. That creates a lot of grace and a lot of relaxation in my life, which then in turn allows me to keep productive and keep effective and keep focused. And for people that are more interested in that, it in turn allows me to, to put my energy and focus on the things that matter to me instead of allowing any challenging moment in my life to throw me off and just overwhelm me or overcome me. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go to me now. And I have no problem. I mean, you can share anything. I'll give an example first. So one example with me is that, gosh, I could give so many, but one is when I was sharing with you my response to the suffering of, of a child, of one of my kids. If one of my kids was in pain, I mean like really struggling, not they're having a bad day, but they're really struggling with heartbreak or disappointment or abandonment or whatever it was. I knew very well that everything was happening for a reason. I also knew I had tools. I had learned tools even before I met you and then you taught me more tools. I had a whole toolbox, you know, of centering myself and breathing and moving and shaking and this and that. I knew what to do. I could rationalize why it was happening and I could say I'm going to choose not to suffer. And I got to the point where I was pretty good at that, like, you know, not good and then pretty good. And then I remember there was a point where I said to you, 
Sigrid, this is so crazy because something just happened and it would have taken me down and taken me down for days in the past. Then after that, it would have taken me down for maybe a day. And then after that, it would have been hours, but it still would have been extremely painful, like chosen suffering. And I would have felt like I had to suffer, even if I knew, 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 knew in my head all the things and I had all the tools, even if I were using them. And then one day, it ha- something happened and I was able to feel, I felt like I had like a waterfall between me and this person and I could s- observe their pain and I had empathy for their pain. And I had this sort of like, even like reverence and support, yet there was a healthy boundary where I was, as you said, I wasn't thinking it. I just knew like in my gut and in my soul and in my heart, wherever that is deep in me, I knew one, I have no control. Two, trying to control it is just going to, you know, hurt me and them. And three, it's all going to be okay. And even as I'm saying it, it's hard to describe, right? It's hard to describe embodiment. But that was one moment was that was very clear for me during our coaching experience when I realized, okay, this is embodiment. Like I didn't think about reacting, responding differently. I just did. So there's my example. What would you say? Well, funny enough, that was going to be my example as well. That's what came <laughs> to mind first out of all of the things. And of course, we could put so many examples, but I love that 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 came up for both of us. And that was a really distinct moment because, as you say, there was an, a moment where you were able to feel the difference between knowing and telling yourself, okay, I shouldn't be feeling, you know, I, I think that this is something for all mothers, that there's a thing that is mom guilt and that's something that every woman goes through. And we can hear and we can read and we can tell ourselves that we shouldn't be feeling mom guilt and that, that everything is okay and that we... You know, our children have to go through what they need to go through and that everything happens for a reason and that it's okay. But there's a there's an instinct and almost something that we've learned as well that tells us, as you say, that we we get to make ourselves suffer, that we get to be in worry all of the time, and also just an instinct of wanting to protect and and nourish our children. But there was this moment where I could see that in you as well, where there was a shift from the worry and the suffering that that created to this level of trust. And what that created for you was this, again, it it was this relaxation and this calmness that you could then bring to your child, to your children, but to this particular child. And I remember you sharing with me how that shifted the way you felt as a mother and the way your child felt in relationship to you as well because of this, the word that keeps coming is grace. This grace and this this relaxation that you were bringing to the table mm-hmm. because of you trusting that that too was sacred, that that too had to happen. So you weren't fighting, you weren't, resisting the reality you weren't going to worst case scenario and again fight or flight response which is something that we all go into in so many different occasions but you were holding yourself quite differently you were holding yourself with a level of trust and a level of surrender that then of course could be felt by the other person and that translated that calmness and that relaxation and that openness and that acceptance 
to your child as well. So I remember that moment and I remember, obviously, we kept working together afterwards. So I remember the ripple effect of that, um, not just in you, but in your dynamic with your children and in the dynamic between your children because of that. Mm-hmm. So will you share just a few of those tools that you have in your tool belt and that you gifted to me? And I say that because not everyone will choose to work with a coach. I think they should, <laughs> but that's okay. If they don't, maybe it's not the right time. But what are a few tools that you, let's do three, three tools that our listeners could learn more about you know, even if it's just watching you on Instagram, finding YouTube videos that they could implement to help them with embodiment, perhaps to help ground them, to help calm their nervous system. I know it's not a simple task for some people. You know, for me, it took a long, long time and I'm still not quite there. But even just day to day, because a lot of people listening, if they're a new listener, this may be very new for them, Secret. But on, on our podcast, you know, I talk a lot about this, about how I used to be all about mindset and affirmations and I could teach and preach and regurgitate so much. And I, I was actually very good at it. And I really wasn't being dishonest because that's what I knew. And then once I woke up, which was really only a couple of years ago, like 48 years old, I woke up to the fact that our body is a living library, the fact that our body is filing away and has filed away, you know, emotions and trauma is stored, all of that people who have been listening for a while, that's not new for them, but they still might be listening saying, okay, give me something. Give me three things I could I could start with. What would you suggest? Yeah, for sure. So before that, if that's okay with you, I would love to share what the nervous system is yes. and why that's even important. Yeah. So the nervous system is your body's command center. This is important to know. It helps all parts of our bodies to communicate with each other. So it's composed of the brain and the spinal cord and and all of the nerves everywhere else in the in the body. So the reason why this is important is because it is controlling our movements, our thoughts, our automatic responses to every single situation, to the world around us. So because of this, because the nervous system is controlling our movements, our thoughts, our automatic responses, but also our digestion, our breathing, our sleep, it's something to really have in consideration. People are getting more and more used to hear about nervous system and nervous system regulation, but don't necessarily understand what it is. And I think it's important to know that because, for example, I love to give this analogy when I speak about this. If I, right now, while we're recording this episode, if my phone started to go off and an alarm started to sound and I said to you, oh my God, I'm so annoyed every single morning at it's 8.02 here, every single morning at 8.02, my phone just rings an alarm and I don't like it and I can't stand this. And I'm just over it. Why does this happen? You'd be like, Secret, are you okay? Can you, do you know you can just turn off the alarm? And if I said to you, yeah, but it happens every time. Every time it's 8.02, the alarm goes off. And I don't know why. I don't enjoy this. And you'd say, secret, but there's you can just go and change the default settings. There's a set of default settings. You probably have it set up so that every day at 8.02, an alarm goes off. 
why don't you go to the default settings and change it all up, right? So another example, I have a thing where at 6 p.m. all of my apps turn off on my phone. So I can still access them if I really want to, but they go off, they, they lock themselves. So that's a default setting that I chose to support me. And just closing things down, right? So there's all of these different default settings. And our nervous systems, our bodies are just like this device you're listening to this podcast episode from. And they have a set of default settings. So when we go through traumatic situations in life, and trauma doesn't need to be a big thing, it can be anything that was too fast, too soon, or too much for the nervous system. Anything little or big that felt as though it was too much or too soon or too fast is recorded by our command center as trauma. And that impacts and shifts our default settings, right? So if I go through something, let's say that one time growing up um, as a kid, I put my hand up at school and I thought I knew the answer to something the teacher was asking, but then it turns out I didn't. And a kid laughed. Or my teacher made a face that I interpreted as she thinks I'm silly or whatever. That creates an imprint in my nervous system. And it may send the message that it is not safe to speak up. It is not safe to put my hand up. It is not safe to be seen or be heard. So then later on, my default settings are set up for that. So I can make myself mad. I can get super angry at myself and think, why? This always happens. Every time I want to say something at the dinner table or in front of people that are, I don't know, have more experience than me or more studies than me, or I tell myself the story that they're more intelligent or more successful than me, I shrink. And I feel like I can't speak up and I can't speak my mind. And why is this happening? So I can make myself wrong. I can, I can tell myself a story that who I am and as I am is wrong. And I should be different, but that isn't going to help the situation. Going and shifting the default settings that are set up to say, hey, when someone speaks, you shut up. Hey, when you're in a group setting, shrink, make yourself invisible so that nobody laughs at you, so that nobody sees that you're silly, so that nobody sees that you don't actually know. Whatever story I told myself back then, the default settings are set up for that. So I'm giving all of this explanation because I want people to understand why is it so important that we actually do use the tools? It's not just something nice. When we talk about breathing, when we talk about movement, it's not that we do it just because it feels nice or because everyone on Instagram is talking about it these days. It's because it actually helps us to change the default settings that are creating automatic responses in our lives. So how we react to our partners, how we what we allow ourselves or don't allow ourselves to go after in business and career, the amount of success and wealth we are wired to welcome into our lives. Everything is a default setting. And we can shift that. We can change and expand that, but we cannot do it without doing the work. Thank you. And before we move on, I wanted to just add to that, that and we can't do that through affirmations. We can't do that through, I'm going to look in the mirror and say, I'm successful. I love myself. I mean, self-love is is important, right? But I know that so many people wonder why they're still where they are. 
And then they'll question, why, why are you working with another coach? That's the answer. What Sigrid just said is the answer. Because I can talk to myself in the mirror all day long. I can listen to all the podcasts. I could read all the books. I'm a pretty smart person. And I can do it religiously with so much consistency. But unless I have someone help me go in and change that default setting, no matter what, it will keep coming up and keep coming up because the problem isn't thinking. The problem is that it's it's my body. It's in my body, in my nervous system. Is that how you would say it, Sigrid? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's understanding that each of those things that happen, we want to survive. That's it. Most of the default settings are set for survival purposes. So we go, if someone says this, we draw. If someone says this, attack. If someone looks at you this way or does this thing, do these other things. So the ways we behave and react in relationship, business and motherhood and friendships, everything is generally nothing but a reaction or a byproduct of the default settings that we created as strategies to survive. So what we're doing with this nervous system regulation tools and this embodiment work is creating safety and bringing a sense of safety to the places where we previously knew danger. So we go into these moments, to these places where our default settings say, here, run, here, attack, here, avoid, here, self-sabotage, here, whatever. And we go into those places and bringing a sense of safety, going, hey, it's not dangerous anymore. I'm not a kid anymore. I'm not a victim anymore. I'm not left alone anymore. I'm here. I'm here now. I'm here with myself. I'm here with my tools. It is safe now. So we're creating a different story and we're changing the default settings to create a sense of safety, to do things and be things that we previously couldn't have. So this is, it's so powerful to know because unless your nervous system is on board, like you're saying, I love that you brought that up. None of your positive affirmations will work. If your nervous system doesn't feel safe to be, have, or do something, none of the positive affirmations will work. None of the mindset work will work. So many people are focusing just on the mindset work, and it's powerful and it's beautiful. But our body remembers so much more than what our mind does. So even when our conscious mind is on board for something, if our nervous system isn't, Good luck with that. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And you, and you also can't just love yourself through it either. Because that sounds like a beautiful way. Because I, I went through a period of, I'm just going to love myself. I'm going to learn how to love myself. And it's such a beautiful gift. And it did make an impact on my life. But then I still had those patterns. I would still get defensive. I would still feel like if my husband made a comment to me, it would feel like criticism. And it wouldn't just feel like criticism. It felt like I was being killed. Like it was, it felt so painful and it didn't matter how much self-love work or how much work I did on my own, it, it just didn't change it. And now I'm aware he'll say something and I can feel myself tense up. I can, I, there's still, you know, stuff there. I'm aware of it, yet enough has integrated that I don't have the same reaction I'll just feel a little bit tense. My chest might tighten up a little bit. You know, I breathe, I move around a little bit and then it just goes away and he says it and it just just flows right off of me or right through me. And I just hear it as 
and opinion. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you brought this up because it describes exactly what these processes offer. It's not that they get rid of every wound and all of a sudden nothing bothers you and nothing touches you. You know, it's not about that, but it delays the reaction. It gives you a moment to consciously choose and it gives you enough space to witness yourself before you go into an automatic response or reaction that might not be the thing that you actually want to do that might not be the thing that you actually want to say that might not be aligned with what you know to be true but rather with your childhood trauma or your wounds from back 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 then so it gives you that spaciousness it gives you that opportunity to choose a little more to not always come from that default setting but rather choose a little more consciously how you wish to respond gives you a moment to really go okay is this how it is or is this how i'm interpreting it is this how it is or is it how i'm taking it like where is that this actually coming from and relationships are such a great example for this because as we know all of us that are in relationship relationships are such teachers and all of us that are in relationship or have been in relationship we know that it's relationships tend to be the container to trigger so many things for us. And when we do this work, we can allow ourselves to really see the opportunities in the triggers versus and in loops of constant fight and constant, you know, blame and guilt and all of the things that we can get into. Let's talk about that for a minute because I would suggest that there are people listening who actually don't realize that. When you said, you know, we all know that relationship, I bet you there are people that are like saying, hold on, what? What do you mean a relationship is a container? First of all, what does that mean? How is a relationship a container for growth? And and th- will you talk about that a little bit? Like how we'll trigger each other's childhood wounds and just that's such a beautiful concept that I literally did not learn until two years ago. And I would guess that someone listening right now either wants it repeated needs it repeated, or they've never heard it before. Yes, thank you. And you're right. Not everybody knows this. So, And it's something that I didn't know at some point as well. And as you you mentioned as well, you didn't know at some point. And this is the magic. This is the medicine of relationships. The thing is that we all have wounds within ourselves. We all have meanings and interpretations that we gave to things that happened when we were children and those meanings and interpretations tend to run our lives as we were speaking just about the default settings we are a combination of the things we believed the things we experienced the things that hurt us the things that taught us and when we come together with another person we are bringing into and by container i mean you can imagine it as an actual container you can imagine it as an actual let's say like a uh kitchen container something that you would use to put some food in you can imagine it as that for to simplify this analogy and when you come inside the container you're coming and bringing your stuff right but the other person is coming in as well bringing their stuff so whether this analogy feels a little bit weird to imagine you and your partner inside of a kitchen tupperware or something like that or whether you're imagining it some other way it doesn't matter just imagine that you're coming into some sort of container. It can be a box, it can be a room, it can be, it doesn't matter. 
and you are coming in, but you're not coming in alone. You're coming in with your ancestors. You're coming in with your family history. You're coming in with your childhood traumas. You're coming in with the things you love, the things that, that trigger you, the things you fear, the things you wish for, the things you dream about, all of the things. So you're coming in with every single past relationship and how your past partners hurt you and either betrayed you or loved you or mm, challenged you or told you, all of those things. You're bringing them to the table. You're bringing them to the container, to the room. The other person is doing just the same. And when you're bringing those opposite, because they're not the same, we're bringing two people with two different life histories, two different set of beliefs and interpretations, two different default settings, and two different understandings of how things need to be, how the world is, how they need to behave, how relationships work, what things are okay, what things are not okay, where the salt goes, where the toothpaste is left, whether the toilet lid has to be left down or up. All of those things are meanings and interpretations, and we all have a different, and we all bring them to the same table when in relationship with another person that isn't the same as us. So, of course, that is just the perfect recipe for trigger. There's not all the way around it. It doesn't matter how much we love our partners. It doesn't matter how much, how well the relationship works. We are going to get triggered. We are going to teach each other things through light and shadow. And what I mean by that is we learn from our partners through their love and their affection and their presence and the fun we have together. But we also learn through the things they do that hurt us, through the things they do that we get offended by, through the things they do that drive us mad and crazy. So understanding this and understanding that a relationship is a vehicle for growth allows us to get out of victim consciousness and this blame thing that the Western world loves so much where we blame our partners and we make our partners wrong and we go to our girlfriends and speak badly of our partners or speak about men all being the same and men all these men all that or you know that happens for men with women as well we move from, from that where we are blaming the relationship making the relationship wrong or our partners wrong and missing the gold missing the opportunities into a space where like we were saying before we understand that life is not happening to me, it's happening for me and through me. So if that is true, how is that true in this relationship? If everything ha is happening for me, how is my husband doing something that drives me completely insane happening for me? What is this teaching? And if I wasn't going to come from the assumption that what I think and what I know is absolutely right. And this other person is absolutely wrong for not doing, saying, and thinking things exactly as I do. Then what could I be learning from this? If the other person could be just as right as me, then what could I be learning from this? So we move from a space of blame and victimhood that is constantly separating us and putting more and more distance in the relationship and making intimacy 
more and more difficult into a space of self-responsibility, self-awareness, gratitude, humility, and sweetness that instantly opens up the space for more closeness in the relationship, for more intimacy in the relationship, for it to feel like a team versus living with our adversary. So the reason why it's important to understand this is because when we want to be in relationship and we want to be happy in relationship, we have to let go of this attachment to being right. We have to let go of this attachment to thinking that relationships are just one way, men or women are this one way, and we are always right, and things are happening to us, and if they don't happen the way we want them, then something is wrong. There's so much to learn from relationships because our partners will tend to reflect back at us the places where we are not free. Oh, say that again. Say that again. Our partners will tend to reflect back at us the places where we are not free. Amen. I mean, that, that could be on a t-shirt, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah. it's so beautiful. I mean, that alone, we could just pause for a minute and just breathe that in. Just take that in for a minute that they will reflect where we are not free. And if we don't get that, all we'll see is that they have flaws and they're hurting us and they're doing it wrong. But if you look at it through the lens that Sigrid just gifted to you, it looks very different, doesn't it? Very, very different. And will you, to go deeper, will you explain, Sigrid, or even just touch on what I have found is that, and I don't know how to describe it, that's why I'm going to ask you to do it. What I've learned and what I've experienced is that I want you to say it the correct way, okay? And I'm not trying to make myself wrong. I just know I'm not articulating what I'm trying to get out. And I know you'll know what I mean. The healthier the relationship, the more shit that comes up. Like, why is that? Because there are people that go, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even get triggered by my spouse. Everything's good. We have wine night on Fridays. We have sex every Tuesday and Thursday. We got three kids. Life is great. You are just making it too hard. You know, and then there are other people that are like, oh my God, it's fucking hard. But I have found that, that, that that's because I felt safe with my husband. We're finally in a partnership where we have a safe container to be ourselves and let all that stuff come up. So, so much came with, up with us that didn't come up with our previous spouses, whom we divorced. And it was, quote unquote, easier. He never argued with his ex-spouse. I never argued with mine. And we were both miserable and dead. And then we found each other. You'd think life is easy. Life is great. We're madly in love. And all the stuff came up and the bickering and the fighting and the crying and the, and we were both like, what is happening? And then we realized what you just shared. Oh, it's all coming up for a reason. And his wounds are triggering my wounds. And then my reaction triggers his wound. And so to, to be transparent, my, one of my biggest wounds was, you know, abandonment you know, and not being seen, being invisible. And then so I would complain to him the way he's abandoning me. I didn't know it was that word, you know, not giving me attention or not seeing me, which would trigger his biggest wound in his story, which was I can never get it right. I'm always getting it wrong. Nothing's ever good enough. And it was just back and forth, back and forth. Some people live there for 50 years. And so why is it that so much came up with the two of us and it didn't come up in the previous relationships or what does the healthiness have to do with it? Yeah, I love this question. So I come from the belief that we are here on this earth 
to understand freedom and to liberate ourselves from everything that we're not. Understanding this gives us an understanding that conscious relationships, and by conscious I mean, like you said, healthy relationships, but not just healthy, is relationships where the two parties involved are committed to their growth. And I say two, I know for a lot of people, there are more people involved in a relationship, but let's stick with two people relationships for now. With where the people involved in a relationship are committed to their growth and are seeing the that life is an opportunity to know freedom, to know our truth. When we're not living life to just go through the motions, and achieve some things and get some external approval and reaffirmation from the world and make some money and make some friends and that's it. When we're living life with an interest to heal, with an interest to know ourselves, with an interest to grow, whether that is a big interest or a slight curiosity, when we are at all available to that, then life will offer just that. It will offer an opportunity for us to know ourselves deeper, to heal ourselves deeper so that we can be more free, so that we're not just going through life, cruising through life, you know, stuffing things down, pushing things down and disconnecting from ourselves ever further each day, but actually getting to know ourselves more and enjoying life to the fullest more and more. So relationships do that, bring that. They become the vehicle for that growth. And then, of course, like I said, they will reflect back at us the places where we are not free so that we can go there, so that we can find that freedom, so that we can find that healing. So we tend to call in partners that embody the qualities or traits that our parents embodied, that our parents that we got hurt by, let's say. To keep it really simple. So if I have a wound around abandonment, chances are I will attract a partner whose behavior, way of carrying himself may trigger that. It doesn't mean because the more work we do on ourselves, the more we attract partners that are aligned with our potential and our more healed version of ourselves versus with our wounds and our traumas. However, there are things that are just a life's work. And I think this is important to understand because there's a lot of quotes going around, you know, like once you're healed, you will find the person that this and that. Mm, yes, we do the healing, but there are things that are might just be our life's journey to heal. When we have a deep wound of abandonment or a deep wound of, of rejection, that might be there forever. It doesn't mean that it will be pressing us forever. It doesn't mean that it will running our lives, it will be running our lives forever. It doesn't mean that we will be a slave to it forever. However, the the wound is there. We can't take it away. It already happened. It already imprinted on us. We can learn how to live with it and we can learn how to respond differently to life. So we will attract partners that to some degree show that, show that to us, show the parts where we are still feeling wounded in the sense of abandonment or wounded in the sense of rejection or wounded in the sense of inadequacy. So whatever it is that we need to work on, 
conscious relationships or all relationships really will bring up. The difference, like you were saying, between certain relationships where none of these things come up and relationships when they do is the level of availability that the people involved in the relationship have and also the level of safety, like you very well said. The, the safer we feel, the more open we are to looking at ourselves. When we are in relationships where the other person doesn't really know us because we haven't shown ourselves fully, because we haven't felt safe to, or maybe we haven't felt enough awareness around who we are authentically to even show that and be vulnerable, then we're in a sense feeling that the other person doesn't really love us for who we are because we're not really showing who we are. So the person may love us and be with us, but we know that there's so much to us. And there could be a fear that if I show myself authentically, this person won't stay. This person won't be here. This person will think I'm too much or not enough or whatever stories. When we're in relationships where instead we do feel safe and we know that the other person is there and we have a sense that the other person will be there, then we can start exploring those quote-unquote darker feelings, those things that we haven't dared to look at before because we had a story that we would be abundant if we went into our wound of abandonment and felt into it and went into healing it, or that we would be judged as not enough if we went and expressed or felt our wound of inadequacy because the wound preserves itself. So, of course, if I have a wound of abandonment, I will do everything I can to avoid being abandoned, including not talking to people about my wound of abandonment <laughs> or not wanting to feel my wound of abandonment because that might be too much and then they abandon me. Yeah. So, the wound is just trying to preserve itself. So, an example that comes to mind is children and specifically teenage kids. For anybody listening with teenage children, for everybody listening, looking back at when we were a teenage, there are times in that age, and I know it's not everybody, but I think it's almost everybody. And if you weren't that person, you surely had a friend that was that person. There are things that happen when we're in these teenage years where we say things and do things specifically to our parents that then we, we can't believe we did. We can't believe we say that to our mother. We can't believe we did that or went on that mission or whatever it is, right? And oftentimes, I know I've had a lot of conversations with people that say, I can't believe I said that to my mother or I can't believe. If I did that, I can't believe I. And when we explore deeper, why did you do it? There tends to be more often than not an answer that sounds something like, because I knew she could hold it. So I knew out of everyone in my life, she was the one that wasn't going to abandon me. She was the one that wasn't going to leave. So for some people, that will be the mother. For some people, that will be the father, another caretaker. It will be a best friend, it will be whatever. But what I'm trying to get to this is that sometimes the people that are closest to us and we feel safest with are the people that get the worst of us. And the reason why that is, is because we feel the safest with them. 
So we have an opportunity to explore things that were always inside of us, but we didn't feel safe to bring up. So this is why it's not that all of a sudden healthy relationships become toxic or they're not healthy and marriages where we don't argue are way better. It's simply that in some relationships, we don't actually feel safe to look at and expose the fullness of ourselves. Well, there are other relationships where we feel safe enough, so we start going there. And that was always inside of us. Those wounds, those arguments, those darker feelings or shadowy expressions, they were always there. We just all of a sudden feel safe to let them out so that we can heal and become more free. I'm so glad we're talking about this. As you were talking, I'm just thinking to myself, this information right now that we just shared, I mean, this is life-changing. If someone really hears it, especially for the first time, it can completely transform their relationship, just the way they're looking at and experiencing it. Or a mother might have heard that and said, oh my God, I'm not a bad mom. That's why she told me to fuck off. My own child said, I hate you. Why did that happen? Because she knows it's safe to do that. You can hold it. And, you know, in experience, I'll give an example of what Sigurd is saying is so true because as a child, you know, I had a pretty traumatic childhood and parents, a very chaotic, unpredictable childhood. All three of us, my two brothers and myself, were perfect kids. We would never had rebellious years. We never talked back to our parents. We never disobeyed because we did not feel safe to do that, I realize now. There was no solid ground. We were on quicksand with landmines everywhere. So we are always in line and we always were, were behaving properly. And you look at your children and you think, um, and I've done this before, oh, I have such a good kid. She's such a good kid. Those are the ones sometimes you have to really be concerned about. You know, the ones that are always falling in line and always obedient and always pleasing. And I have one like that. And now that I've learned what I've learned, right, I look back and I give her more attention than ever. I remember you saying to me once, Sigrid, give her what you wish you had at that age and what you didn't give her when she was younger. And so I get in deeper with her and I see her more and I I witness her more because I know that she did not feel safe to express herself when she's a teenager and I don't want her to go into you know, a marriage like that. So well, let's circle back because I took you way off track and it was a beautiful path we went on. But going back to what are some of those, now we understand the nervous system, we understand why, we. what are just a few tools that are your favorite tools to use with clients that they could either learn about with you or just even on their own? Yes. These sound really simple, but please, 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 please do not underestimate the power of this exercise because the ego loves complexity, but some things the most simple, the better at times. So this tool is a body scan. And it's as simple as you're sitting down, closing your eyes, taking a moment to find your breath. And by finding your breath, I mean bringing each of your inhalations to the bottom of your belly, really allowing each of your breaths in to expand your tummy and then exhale fully. So you breathe in through your nose and you exhale through your mouth. And you take as full and deep breaths as possible. And then you just start simply going as if you were scanning a document. You start scanning your body just with your imagination, with your awareness. You start focusing on the different parts of your body from the bottom to the top. So you start focusing on your toes and seeing 
Do they need a stretch? Do they need a wiggle? How do they feel? Okay. Then you go to your feet and you just feel into them. Maybe as you come up to your ankles, you want to roll them and bring some movement in there. Then you start feeling just going up through your legs, your knees, your thighs. You just keep going up and focusing on each of the areas of your body and seeing is there any tension here? Is there any stagnancy? Can I breathe into this for a moment? If I feel like I feel a bit stuck all of a sudden, like I keep scanning my body up, 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 and all of a sudden I realize that up in my diaphragm, my my breath is stopping here. I find it quite difficult to breathe all the way to the bottom of my belly. Okay, so let me breathe here. Let me just keep breathing. No agenda, no judgment, no like, oh my God, I'm not doing this right. I should be breathing all the way down. It doesn't matter. Just keep breathing and just keep bringing the awareness. Maybe I keep going up, up, up with my body scan and I notice that I have a lot of tension in my neck or that I'm holding onto tension in my shoulders that maybe I'm not fully relaxed and my shoulders are a little bit like tense and up, ready for a fight. So really relax them down, roll them down and keep breathing. And this is something that you can do within 30 seconds. You can also take many minutes doing this. It doesn't matter, but what this gives you is an opportunity to tune in to your body, to get out of your mind for a second and see how is my body feeling? Not how is the stock market going today? What did my partner say this morning that triggered me? Why did that person cut me off at the line? Or why did that person drive like a maniac this morning and I got so triggered and whatever? Or why did Karen from the other department did that? It doesn't matter. Not any of those things, but you, your body, right here, right now. How do you feel? And this is a practice that starts connecting you firstly with the present moment. Secondly, with what your body may feel. It's actually mind-blowing the level of disconnection that most of us have with our bodies and our feelings because we live in a society that is overstimulating our minds at all times. We live in such a fast-paced world and most of us don't learn the tools to work through the things we need to work through in order to not be mentally overwhelmed and to feel safe in our bodies. So this is a tool that allows you to take a moment If anything, just to ground, just to relax for a second, de-stress and get back to a space where you can be way more productive, way more effective, way more focused, if anything. But it also brings you an opportunity to start calming your nervous system down. Start telling your body or sending your body the signal that you are safe here now. And also start giving you an insight into some of the things that you may need that you didn't know. You may realize, wow, I have a lot of tension in my shoulders. You know, maybe it's time for me to go and get a massage. Or wow, I'm feeling really weird in my body. Like I, I haven't exercised for a while. Maybe that's it's time for me to, you know, get back into exercise. And like I've known for a while that I need that. Or wow, I didn't realize, but I skipped breakfast and lunch today. Wow, okay, I need some food. I really need some food. I kept numbing it with the work and computer and coffee and whatever, but actually my body is depleted. I need some food or I need some sleep or whatever it is. But you are just getting in the practice of connecting with yourself. It doesn't matter what you get from the exercise. If you don't get anything else, you'll get a moment to relax. And this in today's world is precious.
just that. But you will also perhaps get a lot more from it. Get an opportunity to really start tuning into your body, start tuning into your needs, start relaxing your nervous system, start feeling safer in yourself. So something as simple as that. Remember, you just close your eyes, sit down. You can also do this standing up, but I prefer to do it sitting down, especially if you can sit down in a chair, something like that, because then you can really feel into each of the parts of your body from your toes to the top of your head while being relaxed, while not having to hold yourself necessarily if you're standing up. So you can do that like that. You can also do it laying down. But as I said, I recommend doing it sitting down in a chair. Sometimes it's helpful to, if you're feeling a lot of energy or a lot of tension, a lot of, yeah, just a lot of energy in your body. If you're feeling really activated, it may help to do it standing up so that you can move more. So just feel into that. But the exercise is to breathe and just scan your body. Just bring awareness to what's happening right here, right now. That's the first tool. The second thing, and this will sound even more simple, but there is no more powerful tool than this. So hear me out. There's a lot of times that all it takes for us to come back to our power, for us to come back to our center, for us to have a moment to consciously decide a response to a situation, to a person, versus unconsciously react to something, is a deep breath. Again, this sounds really simple, but most of us do not breathe properly. And when we do not breathe properly, we are constantly giving our bodies, our command center, the signal that we are under threat. So we keep triggering our fight or flight responses, even if just ever so slightly, because we're sending the signal. We're saying, okay, I don't, I don't have the space. I don't have the time. I, I'm not safe to sit here, relax, and take a deep breath. So when we breathe, we're sending the signal to our command center that right here, right now, we are safe. We wouldn't be taking deep breaths if a lion was chasing us. We wouldn't be here like, ah, what a wonderful day. We would be running and breathing shortly. So when we breathe shortly, when we don't breathe fully, when our, when our breath stops at our chest or our diaphragm area, we're constantly giving our command center this message that it is not safe yet. So when instead we start breathing deeply, many things happen. First of all, we send the signal to our command center that it is safe to be here now. No matter what's happening, no matter what that person just said, no matter what you just found out about, no matter what you just got triggered by, you're saying it is safe. With this too, I am safe. That firstly. Secondly, a lot of epic things happen in your body thanks to the oxygenation that's happening when you breathe properly. Thirdly, you give yourself a moment of spaciousness that, as I said before, delays your reaction. So when something happens and someone says something that you don't like, you can answer right away or you can take a deep breath and then answer. And your answer could be different. 
if you allowed yourself that deep breath. Sometimes we need more than one. But when you allow yourself to take a moment to breathe before you react, you're giving yourself a moment of spaciousness to choose more consciously how you wish to respond to this situation. Instead of just going into your default setting reaction right away. So deep breath, as simple as that. You just bring your awareness to the bottom of your belly. Sometimes it helps to put a hand there or to put two hands together touching. So your fingers are touching, let's say in the center of your tummy, both hands are on top of your stomach area. And as you breathe, your fingers should be separating. Your The fingers from each of your hands should be separating because your stomach is expanding each time you breathe in. So it may help to do that, to place both hands in that area and just see how it feels when you breathe in through your nose really profoundly. And if you can't just yet, that's fine. You just keep breathing until you can. You keep breathing as slowly and profoundly as you can until you are able to do this. And then you exhale through your mouth equally slowly. And as simple as it sounds, there is nothing more important than being connected to our breath. When we want to find our power, when we want to find our truth, when we want to be kind, be generous, be loving, be anything we want to be, be brave, we need our breath for that. So, and I say this over and over again when I work with people. Sometimes we start the sessions and people have a lot of stories and they come to me and they tell me their story of what what happened or what this person said and what I felt and what I thought and all of these things. And then I take a moment. Okay, let's breathe in together. Let's take a deep breath. Let's take three deep breaths. Sometimes let's take 10 deep breaths. And how people feel before and after that, it's completely different. The level of perception or awareness they have, meaning how much they can see the bigger picture how much they can trust in what's happening, how much they can access their true emotions, not the story and the trigger and she said and I said and he did and then I did, but what I'm feeling because of this, what I need underneath this, that becomes so much more available to us when we're connected to our breath. So do not underestimate the power of the breath. And something that you can do if you want to start connecting more with us is simply set an alarm on your phone. And it can just be once a day. It can be more times, but you can also just do it once a day at a random time. And to set that alarm to take 10 deep breaths. If you're like, oh my God, so I can't do 10 deep breaths, do three. But I definitely encourage you to do 10. And if that alarm sounds in the middle of a session or in the middle of something, Make it a part of the experience. I've had this before where I had that alarm and I was in the middle of coaching someone and the alarm came on and I said, okay, let's breathe together. And that in itself was powerful and awesome in its own way. So even just setting an alarm. The third tool, and I'm not going to go so much in depth into this, but based on, I mean, of course, there's so many tools I could be sharing, but based on what we're talking about, and especially with what came up with relationships and what we went into, One great thing to ask ourselves, and this is not 
so much of a somatic tool as it is a, a journaling exercise, but it can be so powerful, is to ask ourselves these questions. Number one, is this true? Number two, can I be 100% sure that this is 100% true? Number three, if I cannot be 100% sure that this is 100% true, what else, what other perception, what other point of view, what other take on this could also be true? Four, if I was looking at it through this other person's eyes, what would the truth be? And the reason why I encourage to journal about this is because, of course, we were talking about relationships and everything that they can teach us and how we can learn from them. And this is a very simple, very powerful way to start dropping into this awareness that maybe what we think and how we see things isn't always absolute truth, that isn't always how it is, and that maybe there are other truths that can also coexist with ours, that maybe there are other reasons why our partner did what they did. So it just gives us an opportunity to start inquiring about this instead of staying with things at face value and this is how it is and I think this, uh, this is exactly how it is and whatever. We, we just give ourselves a moment to start implementing this new... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? This new perspective, I guess, that everything is happening for us, not to us, including everything that happens in the relationship. And that the relationship is here to teach us, not to take from us. It's here to give to us. So if we're looking at it from this perspective, then what's the medicine in this trigger? What's the medicine in this argument? What's the medicine in this hurt? So I would encourage everyone listening that is in a conscious relationship or is in any relationship or has been in a relationship or wants to call in a relationship to start pondering about this, to start asking these questions, to simply gain a little bit more perspective and see what comes from that. Mm, my gosh, thank you so much. You know, I knowing you, I am not surprised that you just gave us so much. I have to admit, I went a little bit on autopilot and I was expecting, you know, my guest to list three tools, A, B, C. And make everybody else just figure it out and dig into it. And the fact that you spent so much time really walking us through each one is invaluable. I just want technology for that. And I mean, it's worth gold. I mean, that alone, it really is. If we would go back and listen and actually practice those three tools, I mean, that that truly is something that could change the trajectory of our life. <laughs> so uh, thank you. Thank you. I know that we are over an hour. I don't want to let you go before asking you one more question. Do you have a little more time? Yes. Okay. We could just talk for hours, but I just, I do want to touch on this because I specifically hired you because I wanted to not just learn about, but I wanted you to hold me accountable and hold space for me to walk into something which was, I would say a little scary for me. And that was exploring and sort of pushing my edges a little bit with my spirituality and also the divine feminine. You know, it's really, really embodying the feminine, not just talking about it, not just saying, you know, it's, it's, 
I'm actually glad it's trending because it's healthy, right? That it's trending to say, you know, stop the hustle, get into your feminine, let things flow. Again, it's still just talk unless it's embodied. So would you share with our listeners, again, this could be three hours, you know, and you have so much wisdom and experience here. Would you share with them anything that comes to you that you feel needs to come through regarding what that means to be in your feminine and then exploring our relationship with spirit and spirituality? I know that's a huge loaded question. I know that, but just whatever comes up. Yeah, sure. So the first thing that comes as you say this is, again, safety. I believe that the reason why so many of us women have learned to be really inner masculine and it would be a whole other conversation if we start talking about masculine and feminine polarities. And that's something that you might have spoken about in the podcast already. Otherwise, I encourage everyone to look into this. Um, but I believe that the reason why so many of us are so deeply in our masculine and so disconnected from our more feminine traits, meaning our more nourishing and spacious and sensual and creative and all of these different things self is because we don't feel safe to be in our feminine it's because for generations we've learned that we got to be strong and we got to be tough and we got to be focused and we got to be ambitious and we got to get things done and there's a lot happening so we got to be moms and business owners and have all of these different things in our career paths and then raise children and have relationships and keep strong and keep fit and keep flexible and look a specific way. And there's a lot. We've been bombarded for generations. For God's sake, there are corporations that profit. And we're talking about billions from making women feel and think that who we are, as they are, how they look is not enough. So we've been traumatized into thinking that it is not safe to be in the softer, more nourishing, more sensual, more creative, sweeter aspects of ourselves. And that is not to say that men cannot access that. That's why I said I encourage everyone to to go and read about feminine and masculine polarities because I could talk about that for hours. But it's important to understand that it is not until we feel safe that we can ask access that. And it is the same with spirituality. I find that we've been indoctrinated into a set of beliefs about spirituality and what can happen if we open the door to it and whether the things that we can connect with are real or not real, if those things are to be taken seriously or not. If we're going crazy, if we're getting a bit spiritual, or if you know it's something worth of mockery, there's so many, so many things that we've learned about spirituality. And there's also a lot of people out there that are talking about spirituality and and you know the self-proclaimed shamans and the self-proclaimed healers and the a lot of people that that are doing a disservice by selling or trying to sell spirituality a specific way. The same way that there's a lot of women that are avoiding or having a certain level of resistance to wanting to do the feminine embodiment work because what they see on social media, for example, is women dancing in their underwear on social media and they think that that is it. 
I just have to amen that. I, I thank you for saying that. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but to portray that that's the only way is so. I'm just going to say, uh, you know, nothing should offend us, but someone's like offensive to the feminine. And I see so much of that. And it, 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 I'm really getting, <laughs> I'm getting a little sick of it. You know, you have to twerk and you have to grind and you have to wear, you know, the black outfits and this and that and the lingerie and be willing to do it on Instagram or you're not really in touch with your feminine. And I say bullshit to that. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happens. Like, we humans, we love to take really complex, big things and put them in a four-step process or a little box and market them to the world. And that's just something our egos love to do. And that is a big disservice to the world in many ways because there is so much more to the feminine. The feminine is such a big, vast thing. And feminine embodiment feels and looks different for every woman. So it's not about learning how to work or learning how to have the bravery to put yourself out there on social media and your underwear. It's about learning to create a sense of safety inside of you so that you can access whatever expression of the feminine you are there to access. For some women, it's really empowering and freeing and healing to go out there on social media and show their bodies naked or in such underwear. And that's awesome. If that's what free them, amazing. But for some women, boundaries is what freedom. For some women, accessing their sweetness and their sensuality for themselves only, for their partners only, is what frees them, what heals them. So there are many different expressions that we can access. And to think that there's one particular way that we have to sensual eat strawberries on our Instagram stories or twerk on underwear or whatever stories. And that is it, is actually doing a disservice. And a lot of women are resisting this work because they think, well, I don't want to do that. If that's what being feminine is, I don't want to do that. But there's so much more to the feminine. And what I find is that when I work with women in this journey of feminine embodiment, the shifts are actually quite subtle, but so deeply, profoundly felt by themselves and the people around them. Because it's not about how you show up on social media or what you do out there in the world. Of course, it will have an impact. Of course, you will feel more free and more authentic to them and more empowered to show up on social media if that's one of your goals. But it will be felt in the way you express your way, yourself, in the way you feel in the way you can be softer, more sweet, more nourishing to yourself and others, in the way you access more creativity, in the way you trust life more, in the way you allow yourself to receive more, in the way you experience more pleasure, not just talking about sex, but in your daily life, from food, from going out in the sunshine, from all of those things. So it doesn't need to look a specific way. And the same happens with spirituality. There is all these stories now that if you're spiritual, you know, a lot of people have this idea that if you're spiritual, you have to talk a certain way. You have to speak really slowly. <laughs> you have to dress a certain you way. You know, need to wear IDA those beads. <laughs> what are those beads? That <laughs> you have to wear. Yeah, exactly. Don't forget to wear crystals and make sure to give 10 minute uh, hacks every time you say hello to someone. And that's not it. Like, 
look, I'm a deeply spiritual person. I'm deeply spiritually connected. And I swear, I dress in many different ways. I sometimes speak quite fast. There's not one way to it. And I think this is the most important thing to understand. With feminine embodiment, with spirituality, it will be however it needs to be for you. Your expression of it, your way to connecting with the divine, God, great spirit, call it however you want, the elements, the earth, yourself, your intuition, it will be different. This is why I don't resonate with force the process, quick results, download this thing and in three days you'll be super spiritually connected or embody your feminine fully in this you know, three-step process that you can read in this page. It's not like that. Because each of us has a completely unique blueprint of how we are meant to be expressed in the world. And our wounds, our dreams, our traumas, our desires are so unique. So similar, yet so unique. So feminine embodiment and spirituality will be different for each of us. And the most important thing I find is to create a sense of safety so that you feel safe to explore new aspects of yourself so that you feel safe to be whatever it is that you want to be and get curious about whatever it is that you want to get curious without caring too much about what others will think or say about that. And also to find someone that can guide you or support you that doesn't tell you they know the way. Someone that isn't going to try to shape you a specific way, that isn't going to try to fix you or heal you or teach you but is rather willing and able to hold space for you to discover how that is meant to be expressed through you how is feminine embodiment for you because my expression of feminine embodiment and your expression of feminine embodiment will be different my version of spirituality and how i like to do spirituality and yours will be different and there might be some similar components but it's important to walk and and be mentored or guided or supported by people that are there to hold space for our unique version versus there to tell us how it's done. I think that's very important. Mm, yes, and yes, and yes. And I experienced that with you. And I had this idea that you were going to like give me the blueprint for being in my feminine, you know, and that you were going to give me examples and I would I would learn these things. And it's just what you said. I and mean, without even knowing it, you were holding space and guiding me and helping me to feel so safe in my body that then I could even explore and I could share with you what that was for me, what it looked like for me, how it felt for me. Even if it was just stepping out in my bare feet on the grass, it felt different for me. And feeling safe even to bring things up with you or ask questions of you or to say to you, you know, sometimes when I pray, I, I, I'm afraid I'm praying to the wrong thing. Uh, I feel like I'm getting it wrong. I, I don't know if that means what that means. And you not just helping me feel safe, but also, you know, guiding me too and saying, you know, what if you tried this? Um, what about getting in the bath? What if you lit a candle? What if you just said, I'm calling in the light every day? I mean, just that exercise alone showing me what it meant to um, build an altar and not being afraid of that. 
you know, I was so, and many people listening are, I was so, and no disrespect to Christianity at all, but for me, I was so programmed to believe that if it wasn't a certain way, it was wrong, scary, and bad, and that I would be inviting something bad into me. And so I felt safe with you, Sigrid. It says a lot about you that I felt safe with you and I trusted you to, you know, explore the most important part of my life, which is my relationship with God. And it, it was absolutely just, you know, I've already said life-changing, but I'll say that again, life-changing for me and my children's children's children for you to help me just grow in that area. And I appreciate that so much. And, you know, uh, we're going to be gathering together soon in Tulum, Mexico. That would never have happened, even if I knew that you were an amazing coach and someone told me this would be a great retreat for you. If I hadn't had the experience I had with you over, you know, this past year, I 100% would not be leaving my family and going to Mexico for five days on the heels of two other commitments. And you know, I don't like to travel and I don't like to leave home. Um, But because of my experience with you, you know, I can't wait to have more. I cannot wait to be in person with you and the other women who have enrolled and will enroll. Uh, in this retreat, um, I, 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 I think about it almost every day. And um, I would love for you to tell everyone, you know, what that is, because everyone is invited. So tell them what you'll be hosting in Mexico in October. Yes, thank you so much. So this is, I like to call it an activation that is happening in Tulum from the 12th to the 16th of October. Tulum, Mexico, we're going to be gathering for a women's retreat. It is called I Am Hair, and it's based on somatic embodiment, sacred ceremony, and feminine nourishment. So we're going to be working on really allowing the fullest of you to be revealed. What that means is we're going to be working on embodiment with embodiment practices and nervous system regulation tools and ceremonies both with me and one of my dear teachers, which you've met, which is uh, Mexica Elder. So she's going to be bringing some of the Mexican traditions and running some ceremonies for us in there. And through movement and sound and breathwork and ceremony and sisterhood and different workshops and a lot of nourishment and pampering and adventure, we're going to be creating a space for you to access the different parts of yourself that you might be feeling are there calling for your attention. And there's something, if it's okay with you, I would love to write, um, read something a short thing that I wrote about the retreat. Thank you. Because when I, when I tune into each retreat, I don't just put a retreat together and I'm like, oh, okay, let's do a retreat. There's almost like an energy that calls me. It's like, okay, this is what we're working on in this retreat. This is what's happening for this particular container. And this is what I wrote. I am her. The version of me I was too afraid to embody, but not anymore. I am the roar I can no longer ignore, calling me forward into more of who I truly am. I am her liberated. I am her fierce and empowered, soft and surrendered. I am her embodied. I am her, a combination of my desires, my visions, and my dreams. Her unleashed, bold, unapologetic, real. I am her in love, in freedom, abundant. I am her, free from the wounds that once held me hostage to my suffering, free from fear and codependency, 
free from emotional walls and connected right back into my feelings and my sensual nature. I feel spacious. I walk freely. I move mountains. I am held by my deepest truth, met by my dearest sisters. I reinvent myself in leadership, relationships, and business to walk fully in alignment with what I know is my birthright. Leader, healer, mother, lover, daughter. I am her. Mm, So beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you for letting me share that. It's so much more than just a retreat. You know, I can tell you the specifics. It is happening in Tulum, Mexico from the 12th to the 16th of October. It is an intimate group of women coming from all over the world. We already have women from Germany, Australia, Bali, um, the US, and many more women that are going to enroll. And well, not that many more. (laughs) We have a small group, but yeah, more women that are going to enroll and it is happening in this luxury eco resort right on the beach. So we're going to be right by the sand in this beautiful, beautiful location and beautiful rooms, amazing food. We're going to be held in that space. So great. And we're going to have time to go deep and do the deep inner work, but also have lots of fun. Also have lots of time to read your book by the beach and Um, connect with other powerful women in the space and relax and we're also going to have time to do a lot of different activities and and things that I don't I don't want to give away all of the surprises but if you go to the website you'll read a little bit of everything that's included like the different workshops and ceremonies and facilitation like breath work and embodiment practices and somatic movement and nervous system regulation and all of that So the experience will look something like arriving to Cancun airport and being picked up by the people in the hotel, taken directly to where we are. You're going to have some time to go into your room, find your welcome gift pack. We always have this amazing set of beautiful gifts that that I personally collect for the women. And um, then you're going to have some time to have a shower, change and start getting familiar with the space before we have an opening ceremony or an opening circle that day and then from there on the experience will begin every morning we're going to be meeting for different morning practices and then we'll have a combination of workshops and ceremonies each day we're also going to go visit some cenotes which are some beautiful amazing water For lack of a better word, for those that don't know what a cenote is, I will say it's like a water cave, but I definitely encourage you to Google cenote if you've never seen one. And it is just going to be such a beautiful, nourishing, healing, transformative, activating space for women that know there is more to life, there is more to themselves. So if you're listening to this and you've been feeling called to access more sweetness, more softness, more grace, more power, more potency, um, draw clear boundaries, open your heart a little more, connect with your essential nature or with your most empowered, fierce version of yourself. This could be a space that that holds that for you and supports you in accessing that. And what I love about retreats is that they're almost like a permission slip for a quick, full, long-lasting transformation. 
if you look at life and how we live in our society, we have all of these different initiations and, and ceremonies or rites of passage in our lives. Like we get married and people get baptized or we go to funerals and we there's all of these different things that we do to step into new versions of ourselves or new things in life, right? We get married, we do baby showers, we all of these different parties that are like to step into something new, to to claim or declare that from now on there's this new thing happening, right? And oftentimes when we want to call in a new version of ourselves, whether it is a version of ourselves that is more abundant or more unapologetic or softer or more sensual or whatever it is, it's quite hard to do that when we are surrounded by people that are holding us to the version of ourselves we've been up until this moment, to the version of ourselves they've known us to be. So when we go away, even if it's just for five days, it's almost like if we if we were to say, okay, I'm going to change tonight. And then tomorrow, from tomorrow, I'm going to start behaving completely different. There's something about that that just can trigger the people around us, can confuse the people around us. So a lot of people just don't dare to do that. And if they try, they find themselves more than not back by a response or, or less back by a response from the people around them of, What's, what's wrong with you? What's different? And I would also add that if, if we're not held back by the people around us, we hold ourselves back until we get into that environment. Exactly. I know, I am certain. I have grown so much in the last two years and so much in my container with you. And I know that going there isn't just going to be a treat for myself because it is a treat. I'm treating myself. I know that being with you in person right? Being with the other women in person, but also being that far away. And in a, I'm going to use the word container again, a container that you, and I would say with God, are building for all of us. I'm going to grow in ways I can't even imagine. I have to be there though to do that. And I'm so committed to it. I'm so excited about it. And so, you know, I wanted to share that, not just because, guys, you know, I love Secret. I want to promote a retreat. There are so many retreats out there. I mean, you can go to so many. They're going to be great, even probably two hours from your house. But I wanted to share it, not just because I believe in what Secret is doing, but because I really believe in this. Like, I really believe in this. I want you to at least know about it. And if something in you is pulling at you or something about it resonates, just lean into it. Just explore it and see how you feel. And it may be for you. It may not be. This may be the time. It may not be. But it's going to be that powerful. So thank you for all of this time. Thank you for putting so much into this conversation. I know you're in Bali and you had to go and book a hotel room just to be able to do this interview. Thank you for squeezing it in also. I'm so happy that you are our very first episode in this sort of new season that we've started with BU. So it's so perfect that it was with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited that we could make it happen. Great. So remind me if they just want to quickly look at Instagram to find you, how they can find you. Yeah. So Secret Tasks is, uh, you can find all of the links and all of the things in there. Hopefully you put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I have one of those names that is not that easy to spell. But finally, Secret Tassius on Instagram and also for the details for the retreat, secrettassius.com slash Mexico retreat. And you'll find that, but you will also find it in my Instagram. So that's the easiest way to access everything. Mm, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 